0: welcome to this podcast by global church we are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere one to everyone if you want to find out more information check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk this room is full of champions and uh, if you would believe that that would be an amazing thing because this isn't if I were saying positive things, then it would be, it, it'd be a, like a positive thinking session. That's good. It's better than being negative. But positive thinking doesn't, can't carry you far enough because it's, it's down to you. But when it comes to transformation, it's not just down to you. It's down, down to his resources working through you. But it is down to you, but it's not just down to you. We've got God's help. That's all, all different ball game. The only th- The only thing that will stop you from being a champion is you. And what you think about yourself that's the only thing that will stop you because god can say all the things that he wants about how he loves you how he's got a plan and a purpose for your life and it's all true and we've we've got to stop saying this is all it's american it's america it's not this is the bible it's jewish it's jewish and salvation comes from the jews and it's coming right into your hearts and my hearts tonight if we'll allow it now let me tell you something we uh who gets offended easy here? Because your generation is so easy to offend. I only have to say so- something politically incorrect, which I always try doing on a Monday night, and people go, ooh, ooh. ooh. And, you know, people have said to me and they've said to me friends, that offends me. Straight away, that offends me. Not easygoing people. And, and that is not going to help you in life. I'm here to speak like an older man, like the old prophets of the Old Testament with the beards and nowhere just coming with God's word and saying, I don't give a toss what society thinks, because society changes like the wind. Yeah. And they will defend one thing, one minute. In the next 10 years, they'll be speaking a, a, a different thing. And it confuses everybody. So honestly, tonight you are free from political correctness. Yeah. I love being in the kingdom of heaven. You are free. You can walk in here, and you'll not offend us. You can say, I hate church and I hate God. That won't offend us at all. Because we've sat where you're sitting. We understand that. You can't offend us, honestly. And it's so liberating. It's so good. You couldn't offend me years ago anyway. I had so, I asked so many girls out and they all went, you're kidding me. And they'd all walk off. I am, honestly, I am tough on the inside. But anyway, I can see my humor is not going down that well tonight, so I'll start the engine, we'll get going. We're looking at, uh, we're on a series on mental illness, oh, not mental illness, mental health. And, um, and I want you to be healthy in your mind because things will attack your mind. Yeah. Who's, who's, ever, who's ever asked somebody out and then your mind plays absolute mind monsters with you? <laughs> the, you, you know, the mind monsters attack your mind. It's, gonna th- it's just gonna think I'm easy. It's just gonna think this. Or if you're a fella, you're saying, well, she's gonna... If she says, no, I'm gonna feel a right loser. And the ego's on the line. Does anyone know what I'm on about? And so mind monsters come at whatever level. If you have to hand a CV in, mind monsters will come and just say, That's th- they're not going to pick me, they'll pick, they'll pick him. He had a suit on, he looked well. I had a suit on, but mine were half mast, <laughs> A bit short in the sleeves. And, and it's like you know, we feel bad. We never think, oh, I'm, I'm going to rock this. I, of course they're going to choose me. And none of us are confident by nature. Very few of us, I should say, are confident by nature. But you can build Confidence. I wish somebody would have told me that at 19. You can build confidence yeah. into you. Insecurity has to go because there's no room for it. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. So let me, just, let me just crack on here. In Isaiah chapter 26, the prophet says this, God will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is fixed on him. And, you know, we're talking about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds like a mouthful. But if I say God, it can mean any God. But there isn't many gods, there's only one. They can't all be true. Did you know that? I know it might come as a shock to your generation. This is not bigoted. I'm not even trying to be rude or, or insensitive. But it's true. Because they, they all disagree with each other. So all religions don't lead to God. Th- they can't do. And and so especially when Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, I am using God's name. No man dare speak like that. But Jesus, you, that was God's name in the Old Testament, I am. Check out Exodus chapter 3. Moses said to God, if you're going to send me to Pharaoh to set your people free, who should I say sent, sent me? And he said, just go and tell them, I am sent you. The Hebrew term is, I am who I will become. I will be whatever I need to be. I will be whatever you need me to be. I am who I am. And, um, and so Jesus said, I am. The way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is exclusive whilst being all-inclusive. He invites everybody to follow him, but he says there's only one way to God. Can you see how bigoted that sounds? Can you see how narrow that sounds? Jesus said broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many are there that walk on it. And he gave a picture of a broad road where the most of humanity was walking down it, And then he said, but within that broad road, there is a narrow road coming the opposite way. And he says, narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. And few are there that walk on it. I wonder tonight, have you got eternal life? Because you can have it, and it's a free gift. I was the most unreligious person. I was a drunken bum in Darwin, just putting myself around the nightclubs and stuff like that. And the gospel came to me through a thief. And I heard the gospel. And then the night I heard this, this murderer... It was called Nicky Cruz. He'd murdered people when he was 17. He was an heroin addict. He had demons. He had all sorts. He was a New Yorker. And, um, and he was trying to murder this preacher that had gone to them. And long story short, he became a Christian. And I heard Nicky Cruz maybe 40 years after he, after he became a Christian. And he told me how Jesus can forgive your sins. And he said, you need to commit your life to him tonight. And I did. And that was 37 years ago. I've been walking with Jesus ever since. And uh, it's powerful. It changes your life. And you d- the confidence that comes into your life is brilliant. The Bible says this. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of, of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. Would anybody like a sound mind tonight? I've got one, but I'd like it to be sounder. You know what I mean? Well, some of you might know what I mean. Okay. Let me move on. I've got five points for us tonight, but just before I get to them, I want to say this. The search for for peace and purpose in life has puzzled people for thousands of years. And that's because typically we begin at the wrong starting point. We begin with ourselves. This is how it plays out. We ask self-centered questions like, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals? What are my ambitions, my dreams for my future? And and that's a problem because we're focusing just on ourselves. But focusing on ourselves will never reveal life's true purpose, and it'll never bring us peace. The Bible says it is God who directs the lives of His creatures. Everyone's life is in His power. You and I were made for God, not vice versa. You and I. Have been given life by our parents, but God wants to give us His life. And if you let God move into your life, you'll find peace. Why? Because God is peace. God doesn't just love; God is love. So when you receive God into your life, you receive peace and you receive love. It's awesome. Jesus said this. He said, "I tell you, do not worry." He said, "Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear." That's that 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 that's a, a lot of peace for students. Because you, you worry about what you're going to eat. You worry about what you're going to wear, don't you? 100%. percent i looking at some of you. You don't care. Anyway, I'm joking. I'm joking. That offended me. I will never believe in Jesus because of that preacher. Please yourself. So anyway, he said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more Important than food, and, and, and the body food, uh, more, more important than clothes. And then he goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. It can sound like a real fairy tale kind of <laughs> thing. But you see, it was an agricultural land. You know, they didn't have laptops and all that. lot. So they did notice things that we don't notice. The only time I notice a badger is when it's spread out on, on a motorway. <laughs> it's the only time I, mort- I notice it. <laughs> we see, they would see wildlife and, and appreciate it. We don't. Can you remember me and Andy were driving home one night and it were dark and it was late and we were tired and our wives were in the back of the car. We were just driving home. We got onto the A64 and all of a sudden a deer went bang right into the windscreen. And it was a baby one as well. <laughs> <laughs> Little bamber. I said, Andy, you cruel thing. Get it in boot, we'll eat it later. <laughs> so, but he said Jesus' message was don't worry yeah. about a thing. Because every little thing is going to be all right. He did. He said, don't worry. That's his message. Why? Because when you're focused on God, everything else takes its right place. And you start to, you have to learn to trust God and, and, and to find out how he operates. And we get on his page. And when you do, it is absolutely incredible. I've got three grown-up sons. Two of them are married. One of them single. He's 24. He's called Ethan. His phone number is Zero. <laughs> But I've, me and my wife have brought these kids up. She's a midwife. She works full-time. Tomorrow she'll be on 12 hours. She runs Labor Ward. Friday night she delivered twins. We live in the real world. I've got properties. Tonight I've been sorting a leak out in Rotherham. Thought leaks came from Wales. There we go. Sorting a leak out in Rotherham. We're in the real world. I'm trying to prepare for tonight's message. But I'm sorting a leak out in, in Rotherham. Right, we're in the real world. And there's plenty of opportunities in our lives to fear. And get worried and be anxious. Two of my sons live in London. You know, the knife crime and the gun crime down there, my sons are there. Right, well, they're not doing it. You know, you know, they're not guilty. But you see, that's there. I could spend all my time worrying about my lads, but I commit my lads to God. Yeah. And we just say, whatever happens to somebody else, not so with my kids. Wow. They're going to live to an old age. And I speak that out over them. Yeah. Why? Because those are the weapons that God's given us. Yeah. Instead of fretting and fearing. Anyway, that's not what I want to say. I want to look at five things that cause us to have uh, the opposite of mental health. Number one, people are driven by guilt. They spend their lives running from regrets and hiding their shame. And I think I may have said it last week, but we did a, 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 a census thing. With, uh, amongst junior school kids La- uh, top, top class of junior schools is it, is it uh, 10, class 10 anyway this is over in Lancashire right across Lancashire we did a survey and one of the questions was do you have any regrets? they're only 10 years old every one of them had regrets every one of them it's a human thing and regrets cause shame and guilt and making you feel bad and uh, we can't always articulate it but guilt-driven people are manipulated by memories. What memory is manipulating you? Has anybody ever overcompensated for some things that you've said to somebody in the past? And you're trying to make it up and, and they don't even receive it. But in, in your heart, it's bad. And I want to say tonight, Jesus, he's, he's, he, doesn't, he, he wasn't just a sin offering, but he was a guilt offering. Yeah. He, he doesn't just forgive our sins, but he takes away the guilt and the shame. And I don't know what you've done in your life, but there's maybe things that you're guilty of and that you're ashamed of. I remember stealing from my mum. I come from a big family. We're just loads of us. We didn't have much money. My mother sent me to the shop, and uh, I wasn't bright enough. Three of the things... I only only went to the shop for three things. They only had one thing in. The other two they didn't have. And I thought I'd just help myself to a chocolate bar and didn't think my mum would notice in the change when I brought it back. She was... She noticed every penny, because she didn't have much. And she goes, what have you done? And I went, nothing. She goes, you have. And I said, I've had a bar of chocolate. And she just said, that'll come out your spending money. I thought, thank God, because I don't get any spending money. <laughs> 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 my poor mum, you know that, that's an awful thought. And I was a young kid, yeah, we're only 19, <laughs> joking. I'd be about eight or nine, but it stuck with me. And there were times when I'd look at my mum's face and she wouldn't know that I was I was looking, I just think, why did I do that? If I could just go back and I'd go and say I'm sorry to her again. She said, Dave, you've apologized a million times. You don't. she said, It's gone. But I felt bad. Does does anyone know what I'm talking about? Guilt and shame is an awful thing, but you know, God can take it away. He can actually remove it, and he has the ability, because he's God, to forget it. Yeah. And it's a fantastic thing, honestly. Guilt-driven people, you will be restless. Uh, if you don't get your guilt sorted out. When Cain killed Abel, it's recorded in Genesis, uh, the early chapters of Genesis. Cain killed his younger brother, Abel. And when he did that, it was, his sin disconnected him from God and from God's presence. And then God came to him and he said, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And that describes many people today, restless. You've come to university, but you're Restless. You will leave university, having got your degree, the thing that you've come for, and you still think, it hasn't done it for me. Restless. What's the next thing? Restless. And then you'll have relationships, and they'll not not be successful. And then you'll try things that are not successful, and you'll have regrets, and you'll be restless, and you'll be tormented on the inside, and it produces not mental health, but mental illness. And I'm saying as a young person, find out the truth about Jesus Christ. He's not just the Son of God. He's God, the Son, come amongst us. And he could do the uh, things that only God could do, like still in a storm, cleansing a leper, healing a woman that had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She was rich, but had spent all the money on doctors, and still the doctors couldn't help her. She had a terminal illness, but she said, if I can just touch the edge of Jesus' cloak, I'll be made whole. And it became a mantra to her. She'd heard about the healer from Nazareth, And she pressed through the crowds, the Bible says, and she touched the hem of his garment. She crept up behind him and just touched the hem of his garment. Jesus went, who touched me? And Mark's gospel records that power came out from him and her bleeding stopped immediately. And she knew in herself that she'd been healed. And that's what happens when God heals you. you. You know it. And she knew it. And it was an amazing story. And Jesus said, go in peace. Your faith has healed you. Jesus can heal your mind. Jesus can take away your sin, your shame, your guilt. People are guilt-driven. Many Christians are guilt-driven, not just non-Christians. And you've got to learn to get rid of your guilt, give it to Jesus and leave it with him. He's God's eternal dustbin, if I can put it like that. And he took all the trash, all the rubbish, all the garbage. You can see I've watched a lot of films that are American. But he took it all. The Bible says it like this. He himself who knew no sin, became sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, acceptable to God. When you touch Jesus and he touches you, all your sins are deleted. They've gone. Just one click of the button and they've gone. It's amazing. And what you'll find out is like Wi-Fi, you hook up to something invisible that you can download all sorts of great stuff. Yeah? Yeah? Well, I thought about that this afternoon. I thought that'll go down well. <laughs> anyway, i tried my best. Number two, people are driven by resentment and anger. They hold on to hurts and never get over them. Instead of releasing their pain through forgiving, they rehearse it over and over again in their mind. You know, it, it, it takes too much strength to wake up every day and remember what people have done, done wrong to you. Who's ever had the mind attack before they've even eaten the cornflakes? about some people, sometimes I have thoughts from like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that are debilitating if I let them stay there. Listen, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't do much about birds flying around your head, but you can stop them landing on it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't help the thoughts that come into your mind, but you don't have to dwell on them. You can, you can push them back out. How do you do it? Start thinking about something else. Because the moment you resist, resisting isn't that good. It takes a lot of energy. What you resist will persist. And so you've got to exchange it, a bad thought, with a good thought. And it gives you energy. Who's ever been energized by a good thought? Let me give you a good thought. What about, have you been, sometimes say on a Saturday, it's a lazy day. And you're like, you've been chilling out, you've had a pizza at lunch, and you're watching a movie or something like that. And you can't be bothered. You can't be bothered to go and move your plate into the kitchen. You're just chilling. You're just relaxing. And you have no energy. And then a friend of yours comes in, and they're absolutely buzzing. They're going, oh, going out tonight. Are you coming out tonight? No, I can't be bothered. Are you coming out tonight? They say it enough, and eventually you're in the shower going, we're going out tonight. <laughs> we're going out tonight. And it gives you energy. Thoughts give you energy. Thoughts also take away energy. That's why you've got to be the steward of your mind. We're not. I said to me, church, I'm not your mind, I'm not your, 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 your mind, m- mood manager. You're your mood manager. I got that from my wife 30 odd years ago. She said to me, I'm not your mood manager. I said, Who is? Because <laughs> you are. <laughs> Light bulb moment. So good. People are driven by anger. You know, when we said to people, forgive. I used an illustration on Sunday. It was a terrible ir- illustration, but I couldn't think of anything worse. I'll try to think of the worst thing that could happen to a man or a woman. And I just thought, rape, when men are raped or, or women are raped. I'm thinking that must be absolutely awful, ju- just absolutely awful. And then if you had to say to the victim, you must forgive the person that raped you. What we think is, they are, I am not forgiving them for what they've done to me. And we think forgiving them is a blessing to them. So we want to withhold it. We think, no, they should be shot. And maybe they should. But what I'm saying is, when you forgive, you're actually releasing yourself. Because you don't have to keep rehearsing every day what they didn't think. Justice. We need justice. There should be. Because what kind of justice can actually pay for what they've done? What what justice can pay for what Adolf Hitler or Stalin did in history? What what are you going to do, sir? Right, we're going to bang you up for 80 years. And they might not even live that long. And we're going to give you rubbish food. We're going we're to spit in your food. And we're going to pull your nails out. Even, if they had to do that every day for 80 years, it wouldn't pay for what they've done to humanity. It wouldn't, it wouldn't satisfy the justice in your heart and my heart. So God says, forgive. Because it releases you. When you and I don't forgive, when we hold on to anger and resentment, it's like drinking poison and expecting that person that you hate to die. But you're drinking the poison. Guess who it's hurting? That's why it's powerful to release people by forgiveness. But you see, it's impossible to forgive unless you've been forgiven. Our Father, who art in heaven, uh, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God will forgive you. And if God forgives you, you know the power of forgiveness. And now it, you're able to forgive others. This is powerful. What I'm saying is absolutely life transforming. And if people in life that are bound up with anger and resentment would learn to forgive, the dad who walked out on them, the mom who took drugs and just messed their flipping lives up. And instead of going, around, oh, my mom, you know, oh, my dad left us. That's why I'm like, stop it. Stop being a victim. Forgive them. And release yourself. That's what will happen. Forgive them. You say, well, I've forgiven them. This is what some people say to me. But I, but it, I don't feel like I've forgiven them. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a statement. I forgive you. You say it long enough. Sometimes you've got to say it 100 times a day. I forgive you, mom. I forgive you, dad. I forgive you, whoever's hurt you. I forgive you. In the name of Jesus, I forgive you. I forgive you. You know, eventually, the power of them words release you. And you think, It's gone. Someday, one day you will wake up and that battle you've been battling to forgive people will have disappeared. And you'll think, it's gone. Yeah. And you'll know, not only are they forgiven, but Jesus said, forgive us our sins as we forgive the, those who sin against us. If we don't forgive others, it blocks his forgiveness coming to us. Can you see what I'm saying? So we've got to be determined to release anger and resentment through forgiveness. The Apostle Paul put it like this, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on towards the goal. Listen, I'm looking at, at absolute world changes here today. The best songs, the best love song is yet to be written and sung. It has. The best painting has yet to be painted. The best essay has yet to be written. The best book is yet to be conceived and written. Did you know that? Why shouldn't it be you? Why shouldn't it be you? But you see, these things will hold you back. And as a pastor in this city, some people say the pastor in this city. <laughs> I pastor people that don't come to my church. I pastor leaders in this city. And I work on the thinking because they've invited me to. You can only, you, you can only go where you're invited. But I'm a pastor to the city. I get hold of the Bible and I make it live for every person that I'm coming to. So third one. Are we ready? Nearly done. Many people are driven by fear. Their fears may be the result of a traumatic experience. And unrealistic expectations. Growing up in a home that's full of high control. Or an angry home. Or a home where there's lack. There's never enough. It's poor. Poverty rules the day. Sometimes you're just born that way. You're a fearful person. Regardless of the cause fear driven people often miss out on great opportunities And they just say if only I'd have I meet so many people my age when I tell them I've got properties and so I'm not Donald Trump. I don't have millions of properties just 1 million properties oh, I'm joking And I, I have meant say, Oh, I, I should have done that really I'm thinking. I said, well, why don't you you're never too late to start? Have you heard of the story of the Colonel, you know, Kentucky fried chicken finger licking good? Taught him everything he knew. Anyway, he was late. He was 60-odd. He'd been rejected so many times. Can you imagine as he's on his deathbed and the business is absolutely going worldwide and he's thinking, no, 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 I don't want to die just yet. The money's coming in. (laughs) Anyway, the fact is, he was successful late in life. So many people have been. But fear will stop you. There's a Bible in the story of David and Goliath. And Goliath's over nine feet tall, the Bible said. And David, a young shepherd boy in his teenage years, went against him. The guy is armed to the teeth. He's got armor on. He's got a spear. Even the spearhead was like seven bags of sugar. You know, two pound bags of sugar. Two kilo. Anyway, an heavy spear and a big sword and everything. And David went with a catapult. Or, you know, what, what do you call them? A sling slinging five stones against this man the bible says david ran to the battle the whole of israel's army had been there for 40 days and this giant had been defying them. and they were all trained army men they got all the gear on they looked the part but they couldn't act it why because they were locked into fear david came from the backwaters and he wasn't locked into fear he'd fought bears and he'd fought lions and he had a great imagination and he says this giant is going to be like that big bear, that big lion that came at me. And I've killed both. I'm flipping separate him from his breath. Who, who does he think to defy the armies of, of heaven, uh, you know, the, 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 the God of heaven's army? Uh, anyway, who, who does he think he is? And he ran to the battle. And with one stone, he used his slingshot. And he, he, as it went at him, the Bible says the stone sank into the Philistine's head, into his forehead. Even when I was reading it first time, I wanted to be a sick. And then he fell over, and he was dead. And David went over, took Goliath's own sword. Took, it took two hands for him to pull it out. And he cut the giant's head off, and he lifted his head up. And what that did to Israel's army, it, it removed fear, and it brought faith and an appetite to fight. And the Philistines lost faith and ran in fear. Can you see how it works? And some of us are bound by fear. And we're never going to get there unless we do something about that fear. And the God of David can become your God. Takes away fear, makes you bold in situations and confident. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.